0: to the audio nowcast, sponsored by API.
1: Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike.
2: Hey, welcome to the audio nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, let me introduce the guys over here. On my right, we've got Mr. Bobby Osinski. Bobby. Hey, Mike. Hi, guys. Next to him, we've got Mr. Scott Gershon. Hey, Mike. And across the table. We've got the one and only Iron Man of the Audio Nowcast, Mr. Rob Arbiter.
0: Am I on Skype or am I actually here?
1: You
2: are here, brother. I am. Listen
1: to he's, that. He's got that deep voice. That's
2: right.
1: He's got the Andrew
0: Shep's mic. You know? That's right. I don't, yeah, cut off at about 800 hertz.
2: <laughs> awesome. It's good to be here in hey. person. Well guys, we're a small group, but we're a mighty group. So we're uh, a ragtag bunch. That's right. This is show one sixty seven. Woo! And yeah. Rob has been to all of them. Wow. One sixty seven wow. shows.
0: That means next
2: show is one sixty seven. A Stolen Soul. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you what that's though. That's crazy. I didn't know because usually I get an email from you, so I didn't know if you were gonna make it or not. I was like, I wonder if this is the show. I guess I actually should email, because now the rare moment is when I'm here, that's not when right. I'm Skype. It used to be I would email when I Skype.
0: That's right. No, I flew into town two days ago, and I'm leaving in two days. I'm and actually, by the time this airs, I just got back.
2: Rob, when, when people... <laughs> that's true. When people ask for your ad- address... You just go, I don't know.
1: Uh, American Airlines 23C. (laughs) I think we should just grab giant paddles on each coast and just give them a whack. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, that is what it feels
0: like sometimes. There's a paddle on each coast and then I bounce in Austin. It's a
2: giant game of ping pong. Though. Well, There you go. It's, good, but to it's good to be here, and it's good to have you here in person. I gotta
0: travel, so I have stuff to talk
2: about. That's right. Well, hey, we have a lot to talk about. We have a ton to talk about today. Um, but uh, first things first, I want to give an update. Um, you know, we have a really good uh, a good run with the, our little helpers that help us, little engineers that engineer uh-huh. the uh, the podcast. Well, uh, our you know Delbert who's been helping us, mm-hmm. Delbert Hunt. Uh, he uh, wanted to get into VO, and, you know, I've been working with him, and he landed uh, his first gig, and it was for a, well, I won't say exactly what it's for, but he landed a national spot that's going to be on this Sunday um, for his first gig. Nice. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And so
0: now we all work for Dove. <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs> so I just want to congratulate him. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So see? You come help us out in the Out of Now cast, and good things happen. That's not a promise, by the way. <laughs> no warranty express or implied by Mike's statement. Anyway. We're I still know. waiting. at show
0: number 167. When's it happen for us, Mike? That, that's
2: true, too, right? <laughs> we spread the
0: love. When do we absorb some we'll of
2: that? <laughs> anyway. Well, there's a- yeah, there's No a, answer for that one. I know, right? <laughs> After the 10th year, things will oh. look up for us. Okay, <laughs> I can hold on until then. That's fine. Anyhow, um, we've got a whole lot to talk about. um, But uh, first things first, Bobby. uh, Let's talk about Aratone a little bit.
3: Aratones, who wonderful company, of course. That everybody had their own set of Aratones way back in the day. I still have a set. Still have them. They were kind of the standard for a crappy sound. And if you made things sound good on the Aratones, they'd sound good on everything. Well, the owner uh, passed away, and our tones have been out of production for a long time and made everybody crazy trying to get drivers, right? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I need them. I need them now. And guess what? They're back in production. Really? The okay. owner's, owner's grandson actually brought the company out of retirement and resourced all the products to get it as close as possible. Wow. And apparently they are. So we're at AES this weekend, they're going to be reintroduced one more time. Really? Right. Wow. Oh, that yeah. is so awesome. How yeah. uh, what are they going to sell for? Do you know? $350. Although I don't know if that's each or a pair. I I think it's a pair, actually. Right. But I, I don't know for sure. I don't remember what it was. Are they,
2: do you know if they're going to be active or they're going to be passive?
3: Or? Passive. They're just the old way. Just the old way. Yeah. Yeah, wow. that certainly wasn't broken. They
0: shouldn't fix it. Yeah. I actually do have an oratone story. Go ahead. So, uh, and I think I probably told this about a thousand podcasts ago, or within the last 167 anyway. <laughs> but um, when I first got Oratones, I mean, I moved out here in 85, and I was setting up, I mean, I was just starting with Stevie, so I wasn't worrying about my own studio, but by about 86 or 87, probably 86, I had my own place, and I wanted to get a pair of Oratones because I saw all the big kids had... NS10s and Oratones, basically. And I already had NS10s, so I said, let me get some Oratones." So I went uh, to Project One, which was my favorite store for a million years. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dalton Pretty, if you're out there, shout out. <laughs> Dalton's the owner of Project yeah. One. Um, and uh, I bought a pair of Oratones, and I got them home. And back then, I used to play by the rules, so I actually filled out the warranty card. And on the warranty card, you put your name, address, phone number, and then they have a whole little questionnaire. What do you think of the sound? You know, How's the high end? How's the low end? All this stuff. And I just checked all the boxes. Terrible, 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 terrible. <laughs> and then there was a box at the bottom, any comments, and I wrote something like, I love these speakers and could not live without them. <laughs> and I, sent, I mailed in, yes, mailed in with a stamp the warranty card, and I got a call a few days later from someone at the factory just needing to know more because it was so bizarre wow. that someone had filled in the card that way. And I just said, look, everybody has told me that I need to be able to check all my mixes on these. They obviously are not meant to be the world's greatest sounding speakers, you know, full range or anything. I said they fill a need that I've never found anything else that fills, and I can't live without them. You know, I heard them for the first time at Stevie's studio. We check everything we do there on them, and I just know that now that I'm an official studio, I need to have these speakers. It's like one of the signs that I'm a real studio. Yeah. So, But I wasn't going to say they sound awesome, because compared to amazing speakers, they don't.
2: But so I actually got a call back. I think that was. That's definitely a different era. Yeah. But it was cool. (laughs) The thing about Orotones that, you know, people will ask you, why do you mix on those things? Number one, it's not that they're just small speakers, because, you know, you always want to check on small speakers. I mean, I can check in my bay, I can check on uh, TVs that I have, um, you know, through the speakers, which I do. Yeah, but they were different from that. They were so smooth. Well, the cool thing about them that I. Especially if you're working in music, I think they're. They're a little more honest with the bass because I, I think what happens absolutely. is absolutely
0: the kick level, right. vocal level. They're, they're very. It's so much easier to tell the relationship of your instruments in a mix on speakers like that.
2: Yeah, because some of the small speakers, you know, it's not just a small speaker because some small speakers you lose bass altogether, so you have no idea what you're doing. But with the Auratones, you still get a little flavor of it. Obviously, it's not going to you know reproduce you know forty you know, hurts or anything like that. But but you still get a little you still get a representation of what your bass is going to be. And I always found that really cool about those. You know?
0: Well they were sort of the the best way to hear kind of what your stuff would sound like on any speakers. You know, because they not that anyone out in the real world had oratones like the consumers. Right. But I don't know. If the stuff sounded sounded balanced there, they would sound balanced everywhere else. It was just—it definitely was a secret weapon that wasn't even that secret.
2: Well, I think uh, in today's you know cell phone and small speakers and Bluetooth speaker world, I think they're going to be more important now. They're so
0: much better. I mean, even mine that are not in great shape—you know—they've separated. The drivers have separated, and everything's dried out. I still use them. I just can't make them that loud. Yeah. But uh, you know, and I'm constantly checking things on computer speakers and TV speakers and everything else. There's there's nothing. Like
2: Oritones, and I'm super excited they're back. I'm that's definitely gonna be the first place I go to at A, day, yes. Although I will say the Vontones, the the active version of that that they came out with, they weren't bad either. They were they were pretty good. Um, I
0: never had those because I had Orton. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: anyway, well that's great. It's good to hear about um, about an analog company. That's, that's great. You you know, are, there are not that run. many companies
0: that I would have rooted they gotta come back, they gotta come back, but no one has replaced them. Like, really replaced them. That's and not cool. only
3: that, they disappeared. Yep. Yeah, yeah, they did completely. Where, you know, at least some companies, there's a website mm-hmm. and there was a zip, there was nothing. You That's could true. find, and, and I did a lot of research on this for a book, and I searched all over the world and every search engine you can think of and couldn't come up with anything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And now it was now like they, they left the planet. They did,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, welcome back.
0: Yeah, very <laughs> exciting.
2: Hey, moving on. Um I've got a couple things I wanted to talk to you about, um, Bobby, right off the bat. And uh, one of them has to do with um with a bigger picture thing we'll talk about on the on the second half. But um you know, YouTube recently introduced their YouTube Red um you know, their paid
3: service. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you about it is Well they announced it it's actually going to be well as we are today, when we're recording this, it's actually going to be tomorrow that it gets launched. Hmm, right, really? it's the thirtieth. Yes. Wow. Great. Now I'm, I'm under pressure to finish this thing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> In other words, it was launched two months ago. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Anyway, Anyway, um, but you know, I've been reading a lot about it, and uh, I've been reading, you know, some of the pushback that they're having against it because a it seems to me it's such a radical departure of how YouTube is used, especially when it comes to advertising and the fact that um, if you're going to show you your content without advertising, that's a chunk of change that it's going to take away from people who count on advertising to support their channel, basically. Now that you, because you, you know it's going to be pittance to what they probably could have gotten should they have been able to collect directly from all their um, subscribers going straight to their That's part of
3: it. There's two issues that that people have. Now, first of all, just to back up, this is a subscription service. So for $9.99 a month, you get YouTube without any commercials. Okay, that's the primary thing. But second of all, you can also cash it so you can play it offline. And the third thing you get with it is uh, Google Play. So you get access to the entire Google Play catalog of audio and video, of, of music and video. So that's quite a lot. You, it, it's, you get a lot for your money, whether people understand that or not. I don't right. know. The pushback from... Okay, so then what they did is they sent a letter out, which would have been last week. It was a couple of weeks ago, to everybody who's a content creator, and they said... You have until October 22nd to sign on to this. If you don't, we're going to, and I'm making quote signs with my finger, fingers, we're going to hide your content. Hmm. Basically what they said Fascist is evil. you sign on or else. So 98% or so they claim of content creators signed on. But you know who didn't? ESPN. Disney. Disney did not sign on. So there's a handful of indie labels that didn't sign on as well. And there's two reasons. The first reason is even though they're collecting nine ninety nine a month, they're still splitting it 55-45. So in other words, the content creator gets 45%. Or it gets 55%, I'm sorry. Where on every other service, it's at least 70%, if not more. So content creators are, going to, are saying, oh, wait a second, we're making less money. You know, Why are we doing this? Now, just to give you some perspective on this, Spotify has one-tenth of the users, that, uh, monthly users, but they pay three times as much in royalties yeah. every month than YouTube. So you can see they're not generating that much cash. YouTube isn't generating that, that much cash for their content creators. <clears throat> okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, so yes, there's no advertising that they're paying off of. So how are they figuring this out? Well, there's a fairly complex formula that they're using in order to determine how people get paid the amount from that $9.99 a month. (coughs) And for the most part, everybody figured out, wait a second, we're going to be making even less money still. (laughs) Right. So as a result... 98% Ninety ninety-eight percent signed on because they felt like they're strong armed, like they had to, but Disney doesn't care. Disney could take a you know can bail on it, mm-hmm. which they did. And all the Disney properties. So we'll see how this shakes out. Now what people don't understand is there's actually a second YouTube product that's going to come out. It's going to be music only, it's not going to have anything to do with Google Play it's probably going to be less money although nobody knows they've announced it they didn't say what it is but it's basically going to be a a streaming only streaming audio music only product for less money that's like you would think uh, see that they they didn't they haven't said how much they only said they implied this was happening this was we're you know
2: we're killing off literally a generation of creativity really with streaming because um here's an example I, I was working with with an artist recently doing some tracking, and we got in a conversation um and um we were talking to, and he was in a fairly he was in a pretty big band and they they had some hits and we were talking about him doing his own you know solo records and stuff like that but you realize, you know, it, it's not going to be very popular. It's not like he's going to go out and do a ton of of promotion for this. He really doesn't have to. So if he puts out this this record and relies on streaming only, it's 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 not going to do much of anything. It's going to be doing it's going to do pittance. And I know this because I have other people who have their music streamed, and they tell me what they get in royalties, and it's shockingly low. Yes, but. Well, so may,
3: maybe yes and maybe no. But,
2: but my point is, is there's no motivation for him, you know, for just the one price of one CD if he sold it, what no, it would, I, I, what it let would cost him
3: Let me refute that. When you sell something, a download or a CD, you only get paid once. Where you get paid for the rest of your life every time something streams. So it's going to pay and pay. Now, just to show you the amount of money that can be made. Um, Ed Sheeran has made $20 million Just off of Spotify so far $20 million
2: No, no, I'm not saying people aren't making no, money There's, No,
3: no, but- When When you have artists and songwriters Complain about they're not making any money It could be because They're looking at the wrong royalty rate What people don't understand Is from Spotify There are three royalties That are generated There's one for the song recording, right. the recording, there's a second one that's called um, a performance that's about a tenth. And there's another one that's unique to streaming on-demand audio, which is called um, mechanicals, streaming mechanicals, which, again, is about a tenth. And usually what ends up, and no, there's all sorts of fingers in the pies, in this pie here. So a million Spotify streams brings in about $7,000 for the recording. It brings in about $500 for publishing for the one stream. For the other stream, it's uh, $300 and some odd. dollars. Okay, now it gets split with the publisher, 50%. Okay, so now we're down for a million streams, we're down to $150 or so. But if you have multiple songwriters... Say you get three songwriters, that means you're getting fifty bucks for that million. Now, a lot of what ends up happening is a an artist or a songwriter will look at that and he'll go, "And oh, wait, let me go back for for Pandora. It's even worse. <laughs> wait, you are tr- there's less money. You are trying to convince me this is a good thing. Right? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, will, I will. But so what ends up happening is the songwriter looks at this and goes, "I'm not making any money." But they're only looking at one small part of it. They're probably looking at the worst part of, of how much they're making. When you look at the other 50 or so streams that are coming in from different parts around the world, from different other streaming services, and you add that all up, there's a whole bunch of money being made. Yeah, it's now a quarter as opposed to a nickel. Uh huh. It's a lot of money that's being made. How much of it streams back to the artist and songwriter is another story. But there's a lot of money being generated and there's about to be tons more because there's only 41 million paying customers for this in the world out of 7 billion people. Right. This, it, you're going to see all of a sudden this business will explode. This business I, will you go back what? to the way it was. I
2: hope it explodes, but I, I'm really suspicious because if you – the amount of – a million streams is a lot of
3: streams. It's Just, not. No, no, no. See, that's the other thing. People think of a million in terms of the way it used to be. <laughs>
2: like one um, to one million. <laughs>
3: no, wait a could it be a million a day? It could be. It could be. Uh, Adele just did that For instance on, on a new release But here's the thing I, And I, I just gave this lecture Last night to a college A million ain't shit anymore Excuse my language But in the old days Of downloads and sales It was we're, something We're not
2: even going to beep that Because that was yeah. It was so passionate
3: <laughs> For you to have a minor hit That equals 50 million You're not even in the game Record labels don't even care Until you got 50 million a major hit is a hundred, two hundred, five hundred million views, five hundred million streams. Then we're talking, then it's some real money. So when you say a million, nobody even bats an eye anymore. It's nothing. You can't think in terms of a million anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It seems like a lot to you and me, but in the grand scheme of things it isn't.
2: I I I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking, I'm open minded, but I here's a good example. All right. My daughter is in a musical. she's in hairspray. Um, so I wanted to get the CD to see what, you know, what her part was going to be in. So I just went I, I didn't even have to um, go to iTunes. I just went, "Hey, Alexa, because I've got an Amazon echo." <laughs> and I said, "You know, play hairspray soundtrack." And it started playing. And it was cool and I, I heard you know the song and everything and it was, it was really – I heard Hairspray. Back in the day, I would have bought the, the CD. I would have gone to a record store and bought the CD. I mean I felt like there was an example of all these missed sales that were going on. A $15, $10 CD was not being sold. Instead,
3: they and got, they really- got a,
2: a, a percentage of a cent –
3: from all over from the world. From all over the world. And it will keep on going forever. When that one sale was generated and then it's gone. They're not making anything else after that.
2: Yeah, but if it takes you twenty years to equal that one sale, I only mean- because
3: your stuff isn't good enough to sell more or to, to be streamed more.
2: I, I, you know, I, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. I've, I've been, you know, I, I just, I can't see People that. People are making tons of money. I, there's no doubt. Rec- no, no, there's regulate. no doubt. I know they are, but it's just, it just seems. I just the math. You're your, having per, a hard time. The,
3: the perspective of of the new world is completely different. Well, let me let me ask, how's it working for you, Rob,
2: yeah, with with the music, with the misses, and and all of that? Are, are you guys? Are you getting a roll? Do you feel like it's, it's well? It's it's
0: actually too soon to tell. I mean, we we it takes the sales numbers are always greatly delayed. It takes a long time for the data to come in. So, um, I mean, we've definitely seen that the rise in radio airplay because they're doing traditional radio now, which they'd never done before. Sure, that's leading to more web visits and more streams and more CD sales and, and iTunes sales. Um, but it's it's too soon to tell with them.
3: All right. But see, don't forget, the demographic is probably more attuned to sales and iTunes than a younger demographic. It's all iTunes,
0: actually. I mean, uh, yeah, we do know that from the first single, from the run, it's all about iTunes. Their crowd just uses iTunes. And, you know, any service that puts you in 50 different stores or 100 different stores, I mean, the one that matters to our
3: audience,
2: anyways. No, that's true.
3: All right, we'll see. Like I said, I'm... Well, uh, honestly, I did for uh, a revision of the Music 4.0 book, which I just finished. um, I researched this to find out where every hundredth of a cent goes, how it's generated and where it goes. And it's so complicated, only because there are so many different scenarios of which you can get paid. Uh, in one case, there were 19 different ways that you can get paid. Now, all of them were small, but you add them up together, and you add them up across 50 streaming services. It's some pretty good bread. It's not as good coming from YouTube. No, I know that's the problem. YouTube isn't isn't is. Worse than all of them.
2: I Yeah, and YouTube, for me, all YouTube's doing is providing an opportunity for some other company to come in with an, a, new, a new version of, of YouTube. Facebook. Yeah.
0: I actually have a question for Bobby, because I touched on one of the things that has actually been really frustrating uh, for the misses, and, and it is the delay in knowing how you're actually doing. And at first, we were doing things independently, and, and now we've Teamed up with a uh, a much bigger distributor and aggregator to get to the digital stores, but there's like especially TuneCore, which is I guess the king of the hmm. independent ways to get things onto iTunes in, in the US. Yeah, in the US, the delay before you even know how you're doing, it's like there's no way to make any adjustments to your marketing plan because the data you get is you know. But that's iTunes. Behind.
3: iTunes is slow in getting that data.
0: Is there any? Better quicker, faster, cooler way is there a secret sauce for being more in touch with your audience and knowing what they're actually buying before it's too late to actually adjust your message?
3: Uh, yes, but that's at the mercy of a record label not from TuneCore mm. but I mean
0: for an independent to it
3: yeah see that's one Pardon? of the, the, the ways that a label actually has the, the advantage over an in indie and in that uh, labels have a direct line to iTunes they have their own liaison. That they can call, and like, they get data much quicker. Yeah, they can get all that you know a lot faster. I mean, it, there's a lot of reasons to go with the record label, as much as everyone has maligned them. In, you know, the last few years. First of all, a record—the only way that you can grow from being a star to superstars with a, a major label, you can't do it any other way because they have infrastructure that you just can't reinvent. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, it's just 50 years worth of infrastructure. They know how to do that. And you, you, can, you can't buy that.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Well, actually, that's my question. Like, with label services, can you buy that? Can you with get. With label, label services, you can. Hmm, and you can get the quicker iTunes. Uh, yeah, data that
3: way. Yeah, you can.
2: Yeah. There, there's so many back end services for all of this, For all, not just with music, with data in general. Yeah. I mean, if you go into any type of web development or anything like that, well, you know, Rob, I mean, there's mm-hmm. everything from just cart services to now there's services that like we host all this on Amazon on their Amazon web services and there's companies that will help me interpretate interpret um, the data that I get from feedback from all the Amazon stuff that they I mean it's just it's just crazy how many back end companies there are for
3: all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. For for music to data to just no. And the way it tends to work is, one company gets really good at it in the music side. Anyway, they'll get good at it, and they'll, then they'll be bought mm-hmm. by a bigger company, either a company, a data analysis company, or a major label, or something. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's incestuous in many ways.
2: Yeah, it is. And really quick, uh, have you bought any music lately, or do you just do all streaming?
3: No, I can't say I have. I uh, no, I haven't bought any music in quite a while. Scott, how about
2: you? Have you have you purchased any music lately?
3: Yeah, well,
1: good. I've been iTunes. Yeah, I'm dangerous. I you know, even though I know I can probably get a Spotify or stream service. Yeah, there's something you know. A lot of times I want it when I'm jogging or at the gym. I want it in the car. I want it a lot of places that I'm not sure I can always get stream music. Yep. And I, to be honest, I want to, I don't know, I like owning it psychologically and get in it when I want it. So, yeah, I'll do uh, buying sprees late at night and buy you know five, six albums at a time. I'm right there with you. How about you, Rob? No, I haven't bought music in quite
0: a while. I <laughs> tend to go to YouTube and then curse the commercials because there's way too many commercials. And <laughs> just whatever I want to hear, just find it there. I mean, you can basically find anything.
3: I do Spotify. Uh, YouTube and Spotify. And, and Spotify is great. I, I don't see... As a matter of fact, the best thing that ever happened to them was Apple Music Yeah, because it really put them in the forefront of people's visibility, awareness. So we'll see what happens with uh, YouTube Red because that might actually... How, how is Apple doing? With its yeah, ability. how is Apple Music? Because I, I know a bunch
0: of people who were willing to try it, and they just said, you know what, Spotify is cooler.
3: Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, the numbers came out that, that weren't terribly flattering, and uh, Apple made a big deal out of it. But see, Apple doesn't matter. Apple, does, You know, Apple Music, in the grand scheme of things for Apple, is a throwaway. They can have it die completely, and just by having it, it's, impo- it's working for them. Because <laughs> they don't, it's not their source of income. It's, it's a minor blip on the radar for him as far as in, income is concerned, so
2: not a big deal. I actually have both Apple Music and Spotify, and, oh, and, and, um, and the reason why I do that is because for my son, he knows the Apple iTunes universe, so it works out really well for him. And then for me, I actually enjoy Spotify and the Spotify experience, and I had all these playlists, and, and it sounds good, too.
0: I will say, from the artist side of things, Apple Music is a nightmare yeah. It is so confusing. It's not that it's complicated because it's not. It's just really, really confusing and really hard to find help with. And if you're just an artist saying, Oh, I want to customize my Apple music experience for people when they come to see my stuff, yeah, good luck. Yeah. It is so ridiculously badly designed and very not like apple, but it's it's a mess
2: well, no you know, from a consumer point too it 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 can get kind of hairy because. You have to enable it on your phone if you want to make sure you can get the streaming on your phone, or if you want to not have streaming on your phone, you have to disable it, but make sure you have your songs downloaded because it kind of throws everything into the same spot. And then if you have iTunes match, it it can be a nightmare. But um, yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I like Spotify. I think Spotify is pretty cool. My
0: only issue with Spotify is, because I've tried it at different times, and it would often find like alternate versions of the songs I was looking for, or it would just find, I didn't seem to be finding what I was looking for that easily. But that's a
3: problem throughout all of streaming, where there are so many versions of the same song, there's a pollution, so to speak. They can't default? I mean, they couldn't say, let's uh, figure out what we think is the version someone would th- be looking for? Maybe they could, but they don't. And the problem is you have uh, copies, you have different, you know, versions. You have karaoke versions. Right. You know, you have live versions. All that. I stuff. hate
2: the karaoke versions that show up. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all that stuff is is
3: bad. And one of and, and the industry pundits have basically said, look, having twenty five or thirty million songs in a catalog <coughs> is not a good thing because people right. can't listen to all of them and they they don't care about most of them. Yeah. So it would be better to have a smaller catalog that's very defined and get rid of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the next generation of streaming where you're going to see sma- smaller niche catalogs. That would be cool. Yep. I
0: mean, if I type satisfaction in, take a chance and play me the Rolling Stones. You know, just.
3: <laughs> I've been pretty <laughs> lucky, actually. <It's> really? <laughs> and I just
0: I pulled that one out of the air. I don't know if that one's actually wrong. But I just <laughs> as remember. As opposed to Polka. The well, polka Bobby satisfying. Summerfield and I, when Spotify was just starting to get popular, I was at his studio and we were listening to stuff. And we were just trying to go through our catalog of songs we loved growing up, and just things we loved. And every single song we would search for, it was finding the wrong version of. Yeah. And I mean, that's a while ago. Maybe things have improved, but I
3: think it has. I haven't had the problem. No, at all.
2: No. I think as as labels actually have released their music to Spotify because I do know that when it first started, the selection isn't nearly as good as it is now. Um, now I find some really cool stuff that that I didn't even think I could find.
3: So. Yeah, it's so the deep catalog that. You know, they've released plus you know, basically anything that's current, you know, it gets released there first. So it's a good thing. And, well, and it's, it's influential because, you know, the, the story of Lord, how, how Lord took off, yeah. was Lord was just a struggling Australian or New Zealand artist. And uh, I, I don't know if it was, it was somebody high up within Spotify that has a playlist that, that posted every week. And they found Lord, put it on the playlist, and she blew up. Hmm. and and as a result she got her label deal which you know once they got behind her then it'll be a big deal but uh, um she was you know just a struggling artist <laughs> which is proof that taste makers still matter yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, that's absolutely true
2: well I, it's I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. How the whole, I still think it's evolving. I still think it's moving. I think we're going to be killing off certain markets and other markets are going to go. It's definitely more global. Music is way more global now than it's ever been. You know, artists from all over the world can, can break through and you can find, um, like my guilty pleasure right now is uh, baby metal <laughs> with that fan. I don't know if you baby if, metal, baby <laughs> metal. No, <laughs> oh, it's it's J-pop and heavy metal music. Oh, it's it's so awesome. I have to show you. Oh. Um, uh, but uh, it, you know stuff like that that you would I would. I'm, never I'm already be ready to, to it.
3: hate it. Yeah, <laughs> <I mean. laughs> uh, do, do you know uh, the whole thing about J-pop schools? You ever no. hear that? Yeah, apparently there are J-pop universities that take seven years to graduate. And once you graduate, then you're then eligible to join one of the J-pop bands or be a J-pop artist. But you actually have to go through Holy this. Holy shit. And, and it's very regimented and it's... and. and apparently there's one guy that figured this out one svengali over there and he wrote the curriculum and it's as you know they tend to do they follow it very rigidly
2: that's crazy wow. yeah. yeah that is crazy all right well i'll tell you what this is a good time to break um and uh, bobby we'll just i know we talk about this a lot but i i think it's important cuz things are always changing and you know Heaven forbid the guy that set up his YouTube channel. <laughs> the next day, Red comes out. So uh, we'll just see how it goes. We'll see where it goes, and it'll be interesting. Like I said, I see it as an opportunity for someone to invent YouTube you
3: know, version 2, but, but we'll see. Yeah, but, but here's the real problem for someone to do that. It's always the licensing agreements. And that's the reason why you don't have big investments in the music business anymore, because investors are scared off. For licensing because it's so difficult and expensive to get. Well, but I'm not even talking about music necessarily. I'm
2: talking about just, you know, cat videos. You know, people tend to watch some of this stuff because it's available because it's free. And I don't know if I'm going to be paying 10 bucks to watch cat videos and stuff like that. I don't know. We'll just see. We'll you see will. How it goes.
0: You will. No one else will, but you will.
2: <laughs> we'll see that coming already. Rob, it's really good to have you. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: Are
2: you ready for me to leave again? <laughs> Hold on. I can't use the old connections failing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what happened to Rob's connections? All right, well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some more cool stuff on the other side. So we'll see you on the other side.
0: You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Westwave Audio. Have a question for the panel? Would you like to be a guest on the Audio Nowcast and live in the L.A. area? Email us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com.
2: Hey, welcome back to the Audio Nowcast. Before the break, uh, I was talking about a guilty pleasure called baby metal (laughs) from Japan. And now both Rob and Bobby and... And Scott, I'll know what that is. I think you should check it out if you're not nervous and,
0: <laughs> and
3: wish to be. It's such, not not epileptic either. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's well, such it's a good test,
2: but it's such a it's such a crazy. I mean, right? They have this this J-pop, really super, you know, poppy melodic line, just on top of just hardcore death metal guitars. I mean, it's just. It shouldn't work, but it kind of does. I was just going <laughs> to cut you off, and it shouldn't work. <laughs> I know there's an audience yeah. for it. There's an audience for just about everything. Um, hey, one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, really quick. Um, I had the uh, privilege of uh, tracking some guitars with Martin, and uh, we did um, this session with a couple of different guitar players, and one of them was Jackie's from Wang Chang. And we, uh, we tracked... Um, three tracks of guitars and um, let me tell you there is nothing like the sound of a Neve preamp a um, massive bird preamp and an API preamp all together at the same time as you're tracking on two different mics and one room mic it was it's just so amazing how thick And how lovely guitars can sound Mm -hmm. when you are running them through these really high-quality electronics and high-quality analog electronics. And you just can't get that on small little boxes and on little things. And and I started thinking about um, analog gear. and. It's been really down. I've been talking to some friends at different manufacturing, things like that, and analog sales are kind of tanking right now with gear. And I just wanted to kind of run it by everybody and find out, you know, why do you think like 500 series modules just across the board aren't making money like they once were? Um, You don't hear a lot of buzz for AES. I mean, the buzziest thing is (laughs) for me is the – the um Oratone. Oratone's coming back in. But I'm not even going to AES this year because I just I'm so busy here and at work, but also just there was nothing really compelling to go to go check out. And I don't know. I, I just sense this lack of of excitement when it comes to analog gear. Are you guys finding that true or do you I mean what was the last piece of analog gear that really floated your boat? You know I mean honestly when people come out with new analog
0: gear it immediately gets compared to old classic analog gear that you can still get and I mean I think the current market suffers from the fact that a a few decades ago the stuff was awesome and sounded great and I hate to use the term good enough but it sounded so great that really nothing better has come out that's that's affected the industry in a big way. I mean, you could argue specs and say this new thing might be better than this old thing, but sure. the truth is, when the new thing comes out, you're still comparing it to the 40-year-old thing that was great back then, which is still available. Yeah. So, it also, it suffers from one of those everybody who has it, or everybody who needs it has it, has it. factors. Um, and I think that's what it, it's all about, and I, I think it's very hard for any new company to justify the expense of starting up. I just think it's really tough, because there's so much old existing great stuff out there. I
1: also think though it's generational. I mean, I'm looking at the the post industry from gaming, yep, all the way to post. And you know, I mean, it's getting hard now for even the gaming world to want to get into a full-blown pro tools system. I mean, they're looking at pro tools without hardware, looking at Nuendo, they're looking at anything else that it used to be, you know, when Rob and I were working together in the early years, we're like, hey, I got it for $75,000. It was a steal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's usually $150,000. Yeah. So True. now, if it's not $99 or $100, $300 now is expensive. So what's happening is like, you know, you look at recorders uh, where a lot, I've seen lots of conversations going on with the Zoom F8. Right. That's, and they that's go, the big it's $1,000. $1, and they go yeah it's way better than the 788 which is $5000 you know and is think, that true do you think it's that good no i mean you know what it is is like you get what you pay for and and that's the thing that also is a difference you you buy the sound devices stuff and the stuff will last through heat dust humidity it's built like a tank but i think in this day where plugins are only as good as your next os change yeah that everything we buy now is disposable. You buy it, you use it. It comes and goes out of business. There's a new update. You you then stop using it. I think the days where we were, you know, you had an LA two A eleven seventy sixes. You 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 kept them. You 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 prized them. They were vintage. Yeah. You know. And now it's just all like, yeah. I'm, I'm just you know, what's the latest compressor and reverb and EQ? And after I'm sometimes guilty of that as well. I'm looking at plugins, and I go, "I love this." Oh, wait a minute! Look at that plugin. Wow, it's a little bit more uh, optimized. It works better. I mean, Fab came in in a marketplace where it was already saturated. Nobody needed to know about it. That's true. And all of a sudden, bam! It became like the standard in post.
0: And and there's room for products at that kind of price point. But if you have something that comes out that purports to be better than a Massenburg mic preset, yeah. it's not going to be a couple hundred bucks. It's going to be thousands. And at that point.
2: But even like the Massabergs and and the the knee I mean, even their sales are just kind of kind of tanking, kind of going down. Um, I've got some friends that are sales guys at uh, a couple different places, and and they're just not.
1: I no mean, one's like, selling. I, I have to admit, I'm selling a lot of my gear right now, a lot of my hard work gear because okay, Scott's well, selling. I am selling. <laughs> I am. Not, I am. You know, and stuff that I'm going. I just don't use it as much. And the biggest reason for me is I need the convenience of being able to call up right. something that I've created exactly the way it is. So, ha- and the plugins are pretty darn good. You know, it used to be that reverbs, the plugins were never all that great. But then Exponential Audio came out. Yeah. And, and And, and God, it's a good sound in reverb. And then there's many flavors of reverbs now. You know, uh, Revibe, for early reflection room kind of th- sounds. Pretty darn good. Then you got Ethos and Shimmer and Revolver. And there's all these great little reverbs that, you know, I look at my 480 now, and there's also 480 emulators. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if I need it anymore. So is it basically
2: that uh, analog, the comeuppance is here, where digital is is finally reaching the point where people just don't have a need for for that? You
1: know, I will say, though, uh, as much as because I'm very much on the digital side, However, lately uh, I've got like a great digital guitar simulator called the Axe FX. Right. Love it to death. But there was something I was missing. I was missing a growl on certain kinds of guitar work that I like to do. Yeah. And then I started listening to what other guys were doing. And then I went and uh, I started researching uh, Mesa Boogie. And there was something that a boogie does, especially with the graphic EQ, that no simulator does. It's and, and the way I define it, to me, is it's like the color of black. You look at a TV, black is black is black. All the details in the dark are the same. But then when you look at a really good TV, you look at all these great little nuanced details. Right. So for me, I can very distinctively hear the difference between the boogie and the axe effects even on the boogie setting. But I will say one thing in analog, though, that is still huge and that is, you still need great microphones, and you still need decent mic prees. No, that's that's true. And and um, well, just the
2: sound of well, for instance, when we were tracking, we had Vox and we had a Matchless there, and yeah. we were tracking with both those. And let me tell you, a Matchless through uh, a fifty-seven into a Neve, you just you cannot get that input on a on a. Uh, on a plugin not yet it's yeah. just it's just has this this warmth and this thickness and this weight that's there and I,
0: I think the issue is if you think about the analog marketplace though i mean what you have to always come back to is who's your customer and what do they need
2: yeah no that's and true and so
0: you have a limited customer base and there's so much product out there and there's a big market for the used stuff you know it just changes hands but it's very hard to justify a new analog company you're right yeah.
3: you know the, there's the analog world got a reprieve for a while because Sound Reinforcement was still buying it. Mm-hmm. And now that's over as well because they're yeah. uh, digital and they're cheap digital. yeah, All the way around. And surprisingly good digital. Surprisingly good. And probably the, the barrier, the level, the bar is lower yeah. in Sound Reinforcement than it is in recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in fact... I, mean, I say that, but yet we're still going to 96k sampling rate in, in a lot of them. But you know, nonetheless, the need for all that analog stuff that you had—that's that, that's gone. And again, it's repeatability. Everybody wants repeatability. It's more—it's it, the same thing as in the music business. The music business is driven by technology. I'm talking about the the recording business, always driven by technology. But it's convenience. Everybody yes. always wants things that are more convenient it's no different in this business as well
2: you know that's there's a lot of validity to that i mean i I can totally see that however having said that i know uh i I remixed a friend of mine he uh, he was really unhappy with this song that he got mixed and he paid this guy um, a pretty decent amount of money to to mix it and they mixed in the box blah, blah 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 and then i said well here. Let me let me have a little shot, and basically all I did was just ran it through my API lunchbox with a bunch of like the 550s and the and the 525s, and just just gave it some analog love, and boom, he totally dug it, you know, much better than the other one because it still had a certain flatness. So all that to say is, if you're going to try to make a living doing this thing, it may be the time to start. Picking up some of these tools to kind of help you out and to set you apart from the rest of the pack.
0: I feel like it's time for me to make a comment as the cynical old guy. Okay, cynical old guy. So (laughs) the barrier to entry for digital is so much lower. Right. You got a whole bunch more people using it than are qualified to actually make something. Sure. So a lot of times the people using the more expensive gear are using it because their career has gotten to a point where someone thinks it's worth paying for them to use it. So. (laughs) You hear a lot of mediocrity come out of people. By the way, I was this cynical when I was twenty. In case anyone's (laughs) wondering,
3: Uh, this is not
0: a new development. But you know, it's the reason why all the bands that used to make it to the public um, eye were pretty accomplished by the time they did because it was so expensive to record an album in the 60s or 70s and a lot of stuff that's considered classics now made its way to the top because labels figured okay this is actually worth investing a fortune in and so they did the same is true now if the barrier to entry if anybody can mix an album on their ipad which anyone basically can it means you're gonna have a whole bunch of really lousy albums because most people You know, aren't talented enough to actually do it and would never in the 60s or 70s been able to find a budget because the decision makers would have realized they had no talent. So there's way more being done. And so as a result, the average quality drops. I honestly have seen it proven so many times. You take a virtuoso guitarist and give him a $3 plastic guitar, and something amazing is going to come out. You know, I've heard it plenty of times where incredibly. Talented artists sit down and play piano and sing into a cassette deck, and it'll bring a tear to your eye every time, even though it's a terrible recording. It's not about that. You know, the, the playing field is level now as far as the technology and the differences between what's cheap and what's expensive. Many of your listeners could never even tell the difference. But it's it all comes down to who's doing it. I guarantee you, you know, the world's greatest mixer would be able to get a good mix out of, you know, a four-track cassette going through a Mackey. It's just it's so much more about the ears and the person doing it than the technology sure. oh, yeah, so. itself. No, that's... But, I, I
2: mean, I you
1: totally go back to agree. the 60s technology. There was hiss. There, yeah. was, I mean, there was... I mean, think about all the 8-tracks and the cassettes. And we talk about the old days. But you, it, it is. But what happens was the artists in those days were so good, they transcended the technology that was available. And, uh, and it's always going to be that way. Uh, great performances are, will always be great performances. I agree. I, and I agree with you too, but having said that, a
2: lot of times it's an even playing field, and the, what separates people are just small little things here or there, you know. Um, for instance, here's a really good example. Um, we were using an Omni as the front end to um, Pro Tools when we were tracking guitars. We tracked with a big Ben to give the clock. Um, to the omni because the omni of itself it has a better clock than it used to but it's still there was a significant difference between having the omni on its own clock or having it locked to the big band but i would argue
0: i would argue that argue that's the kind of thing the artist worries about for themselves not for their audience because the audience doesn't know that's
2: sure that's true absolutely
0: absolutely you know there is a certain high-end audience which is very tiny compared to the general public you know My audience, for so much of the pop stuff I've done, is listening on MP3s and phones and all this other stuff. And it doesn't mean I'm not an audiophile myself, and I I don't want the the best gear or anything, but there's a realistic look to this. I mean, we're way past the point where the DAW you're recording your album on is going to matter to your audience. They all sound good enough, and they all sound similar enough that the difference of your engineer and your ears and your talent are way bigger than whatever the technology would
1: but, be. But you know what I find, though? You know, and I'm going to suck on the movie movie post side, and that is that I find I've done a lot of movies where the attention to detail is very different. Some people's attention to detail is not so great, and some are great. And I think it's like, can you have a great singer with bad technology? Sure. It still works. But what I find is the people that are trying to create great art their attention to detail is on the notes, on the way they sing, on the way it sounds, on the way all the instruments sound. There's no way of saying, I'm going to be great to a point, and then I don't care. I find that the great artists care about the, from the whole process.
0: But there's no, there's no such thing as somebody mixing a thousand-track movie at home in, in Reaper. You know what I mean? It's like, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> you're, the, you're only in the high end. There is no low-end that is using the same technology as what you do. Because no one is stringing together you know, a bunch of Pro Tools rigs, each one spitting out hundreds of tracks. It's just music is much more an even playing field from the knucklehead who's never done it in their life to the top, top, top artist. They may actually be using the same tools.
2: But you know what, sure. though? The, look, but good gear still matters, though. And and sure, maybe you're, you're, most people are going to be listening to the MP3, but your MP3 is going to sound better if you record it and produce it and mix it. It's going to sound better than a guy that doesn't use good gear. It is. It's just, it's just going to sound better. There's going to be something about it. Um, and it's the difference between, you know, what sounds like a home demo to what sounds like a a pro recording. And not only that, but here's something else. Mastering still matters. Mastering Mastering is huge. huge. You get a lot of articles in a lot of these magazines where you think you can just throw on Ozone 6 and then walk away and you're done. I'm finished, you know? And that's just such a bunch of, you know. When
0: you hire mastering, because there are a zillion great mastering engineers who all use completely different rigs, you're not hiring the technology, you're hiring the ears, you're hiring the person. Well, yeah, and the room, their
3: environment. They can hear things that nobody else can, right? Sure. But, But, you know,
2: but in some ways, you're hiring. All of it, though. You're hiring – you are hiring Well, because they are using – right. they've
0: chosen the technology right, they're using. exactly. But you will find some mastering engineers who've done amazing Grammy-winning work who will only go analog. You'll find others who've done amazing amazing Grammy-winning work who will only go digital. They will have a complete disagreement, but they've each put together their re- – it's more about the world they've created for themselves than any one piece of gear. Well, they're like
1: a musician,
2: same way. Okay. Yeah, and I'll tell you something about mastering is ma- – mastering, it's really important, but just like anything else – there's really good mastering guys and there's really horrible mastering guys um and i have a friend my friend's out in texas who uh who have their label and they've sent stuff out to get mastered and they sent out to all kinds of different places and some of the stuff they got back was wretched i mean it was really 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 bad i mean bad it was distorting and you just couldn't figure it out and actually they ended up going um with their stuff with the mastering engineer who did that zed's latest um um record and it was great and that guy it sounds good it's punchy i mean there's all the things that you want but i feel like sometimes you know mastering engineers as we're talking about quality and stuff like that you never hear that you, you don't hear about them much but mastering is really really a big deal and you know what it's not nearly as expensive as it was no before. You know, it's, it's
3: really affordable now because they can't be right yeah
2: i mean you can hire world-class guys for like 150 an hour and it's going to take them an hour to two hours to do your song boom it's like it's, that, it's funny that's it's
0: it and it's partly uh, a lot of the mastering guys it's the old joke about you know i'll do your job it's a hundred dollars to do your job two hundred if you want to watch and 300 if you want to help and that's kind of the way mastering guys are if you just find someone who's awesome and send the track and let them do their thing because you're not probably going to make it any better by sitting there with them you can get it done very affordably and i've done that quite a bit on recent projects and it works out great i mean the trick with finding a mastering guy is find something that sounds like what you want your thing to sound like if you can find an example of a song that you love that sounds great that is along the same you know it's in the same genre the same basic sound as what you're doing you know how this mastering engineer does your kind of music then it's a known quantity i mean that's that's actually the way i've chosen mastering engineers lately and it's worked out well and it's really affordable compared to the price for having your stuff not be balanced properly right it's money well spent and these guys are looking for the work and and they they deserve it. It's really good.
2: And it's affordable. And, you know, this all goes back to the whole thing is like, there's kind of a slump in the analog world right now with gear and stuff like that. But some of this stuff still matters. You know, don't, don't give into the hype that, that it doesn't matter. I think a good mic pre will always, ma- will always matter. And I think, you know, knowing how to use your, you know, if, if you had your mic pre and, and a little compressor and, and, that's it, you know, and, and a good clock system. You, you could do amazing things with that.
0: Here's a question. Do you think we've gotten to the place where there are enough good mic pre's on earth? Like if no one ever built another, you know, standalone Times fancy 10. mic pre. Yeah, exactly. So you have people, I mean, it's one thing to have this conversation with potential consumers. It's another with people thinking of bringing a new mic pre to the market.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that I could possibly hear a mic pre and think, oh my gosh,
1: That is new. (laughs) You know (laughs) what? I'll I'll actually disagree, which I thought I would totally agree. Um, Pueblo mics. Pueblo Pueblo Mike pres are pretty new. Um, What they do is, that you know, it's one of the guys that says, everybody makes it wrong, I'll make it right. So it's got headroom for days, doesn't distort. And he's a local guy to L.A. Now, what's great for this, which probably isn't as musical, when we're doing Foley recording, we can crank the crap out of it. There's no noise. And it just has headroom. So when we're doing Foley or really delicate sounds, it just says, okay.
3: It yeah. makes a difference when there's no noise. And there's yeah.
1: no noise. I mean, I've tried Avalon. Noisy as shit. Yeah. Neve, noisy. All of a sudden, your know, API is really clean. Mm. But all we just, we're just we doing stuff with this. Then you put a little analog or something to limit it a little bit. I love the old L2 Waves hardware. And you put that on there, and fat. And all of a sudden, it makes Foley sound like nobody else.
2: All right. I, I will agree, if because I haven't heard their mic pre, but if you had a mic pre where you can crank it up, because being somebody who records my I record my own Foley, I know exactly what you're talking about when you're trying to do something really delicate. Yeah, they you have problems with the mic, the I, room. <laughs> I had to record napkins once, okay? A napkin because of the spot, the commercial I was doing had this napkin that the wind blew it open, and you know, napkins make a sound, but it, it's 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 a very delicate tissue. I can't even t-
0: sleep at night with the napkins screaming in my kitchen. <laughs> the- <laughs> if you found a way
2: to get quiet
1: napkins,
0: you got to hook me up. Right? But then, you, know, you, you know what?
1: They do,
2: and I it was getting I was getting all kinds of of. Background noise, trying to trying to get the the sound of this this napkin,
1: you know. So yeah, I, I just did a, a recording shoot just recently where we were taking car parts and smashing them in, actually subtle ways and not so subtle ways, uh, and we w- wonderfully found a mic that we've had but we never really appreciated, which was the Cascade Fathead Two.
3: Mm. Wow, really?
1: Wow. Oh, body and mid range. Huh. It's like. You know, wherever where have you been in my life? And it's cheap too, <laughs> at three hundred bucks. Yeah. So you know, I took to be honest, I took a Sanken hundred K mic as the highs, so you can and pitch it all over with a cascade on the low, and the body and the mid range, and sh- it was just sweet. Mm-hmm. So and you combine them, and you're like, I mean, I, we had ten mics, but those were the two mics that you just go. Wow. Okay, so maybe there's room for one more mic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that means another one has to leave.
2: (laughs) No, but generally, I understand your point, Rob. So if you're going to come out in this market with a new mic pre, it better do something that is just unbelievably good that everybody goes, oh my goodness, I need to have that mic pre.
1: And I I just want to finish one thing with mics. I hear a lot of guys go, yeah, I got this mic. It's really cheap. And there's some great cheap mics like the Cascade. However, there's a lot of mics that, you know, you hear it, they crackle, they have a little noise, they're not as detailed, but they're good enough. Sure. But then when you get that great mic that gives you that 3D-ness, that gives you that depth of field, it's the same thing saying, why do you need a high-def TV? The old TV was fine. You saw everything you wanted. The colors were good. There's no reason to go 2K. And 4K, 5K, why would you ever go there? (laughs) Because. And if you say, I can't tell the difference between standard def, high def, and then 4 and 5K, then buy the $100 stuff. Right. But when you actually can see the difference, I believe in audio you can hear the difference. Absolutely. With a $3,000 mic, a good one, you know.
2: Let me tell you, microphones uh, absolutely make a difference. And you're talking to a guy who has a huge collection of really bad microphones. <laughs> That's true. The nation of China is... is- Low on microphones, thanks have, to Mike. I have a lot of bad microphones. And, you know, people say, oh, my bad microphones. You can always use, you know, there's always a, an application where you can use a bad microphone. I love, you know, there's a when I number. shoot things,
1: I love bad microphones. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap, I just code the TL-170. You know some
2: of my bad microphones are just bad, but some of them are Bad and awful, and you just—they're you, you, just horrible. They're just horrible little microphones. I'm sure somewhere down the road they're going to be. There's going to be something that I can use them for. But as of right now, they're in the horrible little microphones. Right, they're just terrible. I, they're just I, terrible.
1: And for anyone who's listening, who's in post, and you want to take a microphone, you put it in a suitcase with a hole, and you smash it because you're hitting all these low end thumps to it, and it's dirty and it's dusty. Yeah, buy the fifty dollar mic, use it, abuse it, throw it away, and get another one. That you know what?
2: Yeah. That is where I'm going to do for these mics, some of these microphones. Oh, yeah. And we all bought MXL. We out like
1: ran out for $50 Guitar Center specials on the MXL mics. We used it. We shot them. We destroyed them. Who cares? 50 bucks. Speaking of $50 <laughs>
2: microphones, the best investment I ever made, $50 microphones, were when Guitar Center was blowing out the Octavas. Oh, yeah. Mm. I got four of those suckers. Those are good, actually. Those are really Good microphones, although you have to change the uh, the capsule depending on what kind of pickup pattern right. you want to have. Do you want to sell but, one? No. Oh, I'm uh, like Rob. I don't sell my... Don't sell anything.
0: <laughs> I have a question for you guys, though, and this is just a self-serving thing. Who makes a good, really cheap shotgun, Mike?
1: Rode. Okay. Yeah. The Rode shotgun... That's what I've been hearing. Yeah, I think I think GT2 that's... GT2 or NT2 or whatever. NT. nt yeah. N T one or two, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, Sennheisers, the MK, the, the, the MK sixes, I think,
2: are relatively inexpensive. And the those, Sennheisers, yeah, the Sennheiser, and it has. Well, these roads are like
0: two to th- two to three hundred bucks, well, right? Yeah, no, no. Two, I, two I mean, I've f-
1: f- I've got them. I got a Sankin, I've got a Neumann. I've got a Sunheiser, and a Road. But are
0: any of them down in that two to three hundred range? Or I would imagine no. Sunheiser's are more.
1: No, but you Road can you can year. buy like you know the the MK
2: sixes were that were had that power module and then you swap the different types of mm-hmm. microphone you want to put on the end. The shotgun version of that, if you can find that, you and can wh- what's your application? It. It's actually for. Uh, a
0: band that uses in-ear monitors, a mic that can be set on the stage pointing at the audience so it can be mixed into their in-ears. Hey. And with Stevie we always use, <laughs> you know, really expensive shotgun mics and we don't want to you know spend the
2: money. But it's
0: just to be able to I hear a audience road. reaction.
2: I'd go with the road for that, especially for that for that situation. Yeah,
1: road mics are I mean, actually we've done road against the four sixteen Sennheiser. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn good. I mean, you think about it. If you're using in-ear monitors, it's very disconcerting
0: to see an audience in front of you and not really be able to hear them. And mm-hmm. a lot of performers take out their in-ears yeah. when they're talking with the crowd or whatever because they want to hear the crowd reaction. And it's easily solved with a mic. But you, it needs to be a mic that's not picking up the stage. Sure, it can't be too far back in the house, right. otherwise there's a weird
1: slab. Yeah. So you know, I think the only thing I find about some of the inexpensive stuff is that they, under certain usages, they don't last as long. I mean, again, you get what you pay for. I mean, some of the stuff is made to go the distance, and some of the stuff is not, and you buy it, and it breaks, and you buy another one. But
2: Rhodes is better than... Roads yeah, is that. good. Although, the, I'll tell you the thing, if you're going to... I mean, come on, the standard is the 416. I mean, that's like sure. the mm-hmm. standard shotgun. And what that has that the roads I think, lack is a, there's a bite and a clarity
1: in the... In well, the, like the, the KM81 Neumann. Is the best. It's super quiet. It's got tons of, it's really two camps. We, we did a whole shotgun shootout, uh, a a couple years back. And we found that the 416, there's two camps, the 416 camp and the Neumann camp. I think the Sheps was a little bit brighter, more like the 416. Uh, the road was a little more like the 416. The KM, uh, 81 was similar to, oh darn. Um, it's basically, they seem like the one was a little warmer, a little round, a little deeper. And the other one was a little more bitey. Um, but, I mean, the like 416, if you have to pick one without even thinking, it is the standard. Uh, but the, what's
0: the price range? I mean, they're like four or five times as much, right? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, yeah.
2: 416 is going to cost you a grand. Yeah, so it's just, about a grand, yeah. yeah so it's – yeah, go with the red. For, or, that, for that application, I don't think you'll, you'll
0: – Or just a get
1: a dynamic mic.
0: The problem with the dynamic mic is I – I don't think it's going to create as as good of an image. I think it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be whatever's happening in the front row, basically. Yeah. But, uh, it's not going to pick up the size of the room. Whereas the shotgun, sure, it's going to pick up the thing I like about the shotgun. It picks up the size of the room, but the time delay for it is going to be accurate to the stage. It's going to be basically what your ears would be hearing if you took out your in your. So so what I so what and I get would, a sense of the size of the room.
1: So what I would do is that I would get a, actually a Sanken uh, stereo shotgun mic, and there's a specific reason why. First of all, Sankin has no low end. It kind of rolls it off in a very pleasant way, so you don't have a lot of boominess that you wouldn't want. Um, And I've got several Sankin mics. Again, a little more. But boy, the imaging. You get a hard left, a hard right, and you don't get this like Omni vibe. And it's amazing sound, but
0: the stereo shotgun is not going to be a little more. No, that's, than exactly, the road.
1: What, that's exactly what I was going to
2: say.
0: It's saying. going to be, a, <laughs> yeah, it's going but to be several is, of them. But As Uber is, would say, it would be surge pricing. <laughs>
1: but, but the difference is, is if you wanted to use it in your recordings to be able to capture a stereo audience to see the size yeah. and the width, it would capture that. If this was for you know album purposes, or or actually not even that, why don't you get a uh, Road makes a, a little a small capsule stereo mic. That you put out there because what's great about steroids, you hear you said you want to hear depth and width, and you put a stereo mic up there uh, and two cardioid mics, and that might be fantastic actually for that. The yeah. little one that's got the no, little no.
2: yeah, I have that one. It's the NT2, I think it's what it's called. But the um, I that's a, that's not a bad idea. But I know what you're going for because I used to be on. Stevie Wonders and his monitors also mm-hmm. and, and this dual shotgun has a dimensional aspect because uh, you ran, are you running stereo like, yeah, but are you talking about one mic or two mics
3: with,
0: well, we're going to start with one and probably go to two when we record but this is just more of an experiment than anything which sure. is why I don't want to spend a lot of money yeah. I mean I think two of the is the NT2 the shotgun or the, the
1: uh, you know what it's, take a look at the Rode road catalog and the road, what I see about Rode is a lot of bang for the buck mm-hmm. if, you don't sp- I, if you don't want right. to spend a lot of money but you want something of decent quality? Mm-hmm.
0: Red. Yeah. That's what I've always heard too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, this is uh this is more of an experiment than anything. Yeah. I'm trying to look it up right now, but the uh yeah, it's not the NT two. It's uh well, the N T two is a shotgun, isn't it? Uh, no. It's it's a I don't remember condenser, the but I don't know. I don't know what the name of the mic But I have that stereo that stereo um microphone.
1: Yeah. I mean I've got three or four seconds already and i every time i stop using them and they said i should try them again and then i'm always like why did i stop using it these are amazing mics
2: hold on i'll tell you right now right now Drum roll, please let me four is the microphone that has the two the two yeah and then they have the um their shotguns are the ntg1 NTG- oh ntg that's
0: what it was that's ntg2 right. is the one i was referred NTG3, to which is pretty three, affordable
2: yeah, it's $7,000. But- <laughs> <laughs>
0: On Amazon, it's like 259 Yeah, that sounds pretty good.
2: Well, hey, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're going to be wrapping this up. Um, but all of this, everything to say that um, I think if you were at a we're at a, a moment in time where, yes, digital is really good, I think there's plenty of room for good analog. There may even be room for a new mic pre, <laughs> but as Rob said, it's it's all about the engineer, you know. Actually, the now tools. there is
0: no room for a new mic
2: pre because that one new one that Scott Scotty came in, so now there's truly no
0: room for a new one. That was the last one.
2: Uh, hey, next time um, I want to talk about etiquette because uh, we were running the um, the guitar session and it went really well. And we got through a lot, and uh, a couple nights later, I went over with a friend of mine, um, and he invited me down. They were tracking guitars, and I wasn't was, was engineering, and it was kind of a nightmare session for the guy. And the, a lot of it had to do with the engineer because the engineer, A, wasn't running the session. B, was talking like – that's my pet peeve is when you get an engineer that just talks and talks and talks and talks. you know? and Yeah, so, what's the point of that? Holy <laughs> I, believe me, it was bad, and there was no like. It, the communication was so horrible; it was really bad. Just like when they were rolling, like usually when I'm when I'm running a session, I'll I I always will let everybody know. I'm a, I always give standby. I even give mm-hmm. a standby here because I I think when you say standby, everybody's like, okay, something's gonna happen, and mm-hmm. then you you tell them when you're rolling, you say rolling. This guy had no clue. I mean, was it, he a was professional an, engineer? He was a professional with quotes. With finger quotes. With finger quotes. Maybe he was getting paid for the session, and that's why he was a professional. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's, it's just, it just blows me away in today that people, I don't know, they just don't function like professionals.
0: I, probably the best advice would be, don't be terrible at what you do. <laughs> would that sum it up? That's pretty much sum All it right. up. <laughs> Strive for excellence. Yes. All
2: right, well, hey, listen, before we go, um, Rob, you working on anything interesting?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, doing a lot of stuff with The Misses, uh, and my life is divided up between software and music and hardware and all kinds of other things. But the stuff with The Misses is going great. That's the uh, the all-female band from Austin, Texas that I've been working with for a while. And uh, our current uh, single, which is called Enough, which I wrote and produced with the band, is we found out today on the FMQB radio charts. I think we just got up to number 16. Wow. Which is pretty huge. That's pretty big. For an indie band. Yeah. Um, And I think Billboard on the AC charts, I think we're 26 or 28. Wow. And on the pop charts, we're like number 36. So the band is really getting some traction. We just finished our Christmas song, which will be out soon or by the time this podcast posts, um, because by the middle of November, all radio turns to Christmas. And as a new act, if you don't have a Christmas song, you do not get any airplay until after the new year. So... We've got a Christmas song coming out called What Christmas Means to Me. It's a cover of the Stevie Classic.
2: That's cool. And it's good.
0: The Misses actually have been working on stuff long enough. They actually have a style, and they brought their own flavor to it, and it's it's really good. That's awesome. And I made the deadline by about eight seconds to get it (laughs) onto the uh, radio distribution CDs. But it's out there, and uh, you'll start to hear it soon. And so, yeah, things are heating up with The Misses. We've been playing some really cool shows, including the other night we played a uh, party where at the end Snoop Dogg showed up. And it was the craziest thing. So I can now add to my credits that I've actually mixed a Snoop Dogg performance, which is basically a vocal (laughs) mic and a DJ. But he was there. He was uh, passing things around the crowd that had everybody in a good mood. And it was (laughs) quite the experience. And by far the loudest concert thing I've ever been involved with. I mean, The Misses is a full rock band. And it was loud in there. And I think Snoop and his DJ were twice as loud. Wow. It was painful. But let's hear from Meyer Sound Speakers. They can do anything, and it, yeah. it ended up sounding good. But it was so loud that it's still ringing in my head. That's pretty awesome. So it's all for me. It's the misses and Snoop at, at the
2: moment. Sky, how about you? You working on anything uh, fun and exciting that you can talk about? Yeah, that's
1: that's that's the Scott's issue. Scott's
2: working on a bunch of stuff that he can't talk about.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> I will say that uh, one of the things that I've been heavily getting into is uh, VR, VR and AR, and it's something that's taken up all my extra time. That uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about what's coming out, and and uh, and trying to be part of that.
2: We got to (laughs) talk because I'm I'm working on something, and we got to talk.
1: Cool. So we'll talk afterwards. I have a hard (laughs)
0: enough time with R. (laughs) R. Forget the augmented and the virtual. Uh, (laughs) R's um, tricky enough.
2: How about you? Uh, let's see. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to be starting mixing a TV series in about two weeks. Will you say I, which one? Um, no, but I will when I'm done with it. Um, but it's going to be. Okay, everybody's had this, but we were supposed to start in October mixing. And the deadline is Christmas. <laughs> we're now a month into it, and we haven't started because we haven't got anything yet. Well, but guess what? The deadline hasn't changed. Of course, <laughs> still the same deadline. Finish line. Just changed. bring a pillow. Yeah, so it's like we lost a month and the deadline is still it's still the end date. They they gave us a, a new schedule and it was just laughable. I'm just looking at the schedule and I'm just like okay, you know. I mean, what can you say? You really can't say anything. You just you just know that and Scott, you know this. Well, Rob, you know this too. The you'll We're going to hit the deadline. It's just what's going to happen between
1: here and there, you know. And
0: how much therapy are we going to need afterwards? (laughs) Exactly.
1: We're doing the same thing. We've got a a massive project, interactive project, that is due um, the beginning, very beginning of next year, and it was supposed to be six months of work of a big crew. We haven't started yet, and we're all like, and my call is tomorrow, so it's like. How big of an army am I going to need? <laughs> right. Well, if, if, yeah, if one people
0: could do it in a thousand days, could a thousand people do it in one day? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Yeah, I mean,
2: uh, that's true. Well, yeah, and that's where we're at. And the answer, by the way, is no. <laughs> that's where we're at. So we'll see what happens between now and then. It's going to get done. We're going to hit the deadline. It's just what kind of level of hell are we going to go to 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 hit that but pillows and pictures of the family yeah (laughs) i do want to give one extra uh shout out to that i forgot
0: about uh about a week and a half ago the missus played another show in austin where they opened for the band perry Uh uh-huh who i was not at all familiar with because it's not like typically the genre you know country that i'd listen to but and i i realized they won grammys and everything else but i gotta say i was really impressed with their show even if it's not the genre i would listen to yeah They totally kicked butt. They put on an incredible visual show, and I just have to give them props because it was really impressive.
2: That explains the tattoo I see on your arm.
0: Yes. That's a bruise. That's a
2: bruise. All right. Well, hey, listen, if you have any comments or questions, you can reach us at audio at That's audio at nowcastnetwork.com. From myself and all the guys, especially Bobby Osinski, who is sitting here next to me, and he did not leave, you know, 10 minutes ago.
0: As far as you know.
2: <laughs> as far as you know. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: See you. <laughs> Listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and West Wave Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and uses Apex's 230 Master Channel voice processor. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.